A draw is better than a loss. I am the champ. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, <didn't. laughs> I, I believe that is the quadruple. Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Come on, Jared Goff. Come on. Any trade that involves you getting Drew Locke, you probably lost. Well, I guess everyone knew more than I did. The amount of times that you have been on stage with less than reputable clothing. Yes, indeed. We have no shit. Enough said on that. I can neither confirm or deny. Shout out to um, Raccoon Red. Clearly, I have a lot of opinions about this. Hello and welcome to another episode of Improper Fantasy Football. My name is Mark. And I am Biz, coming to you live from a lovely pub in Leeds. So, a lovely pub in Leeds. What are you drinking? I am drinking one of the greatest breweries. In fact, it may well be my favourite brewery in all of Christendom. The wonderful Timothy Taylor's Brewery, which is based here in Yorkshire. Um, and there is an actual Timothy Taylor's pub in the centre of Leeds, which I have been to, called the Town Hall Tavern, which is great. It has all the beers that Timothy Taylor's does. But obviously in Yorkshire, a lot of pubs carry some of their beers as well. So I'm having a lovely pint of Timothy Taylor's Bolt Maker. And uh, yeah, it's been a while since we've actually done this episode with uh, with a pint in my hand. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> with a proper pint. I was telling you the other week that I was down at a pub uh, and they had uh, Raccoon Red on cask. They did. It was a sign. It was a, it was a sign that, that of our of our Washington DC roots, wasn't it? Indeed. I like. I, I. It was so random. Like there are only a few places in Seattle that have decent cask, and this place had Raccoon Red. So shout out to Rock Bottom. That takes us back, doesn't it? It's a wonderful it takes bit. Us back. Uh, I just got back from a trip to DC, and of course, you weren't there trying to dodge me. <laughs> It wasn't deliberate. I was as much as you like mm. to think it, I was trying to dodge. Mm. Um, it was not deliberate. Yeah. All that I know is that it's the first time I've been in DC in 16 months, and you decided not to be there. So we'll let our <laughs> listeners decide whether or not uh, you're just afraid, or you're just running, or things like that. But uh, we'll leave it at that. We got some stuff to talk about this week. Uh, if you are interested in reaching out to us at any of our social media, you can reach out to us at our Twitter or X at Improper Fantasy. And of course, we love listening to your and of course, we love reading your emails sent to us at improperfantasypodcast.gmail.com. There's been a lot of interesting news this past week about who's going to get traded, who's not going to get traded. So I'm going to throw indeed. a random icebreaker question to you. Out of these two players, who gets traded first? Trey Lance of the 49ers. Brock Purdy looks like he's recovering well from his injury, and it looks like there's not going to be a need for Trey Lance. Or Jonathan Taylor. This episode was recorded before Dallas's trade for Trey Lance, but it's still a fun conversation here. First of all, it, that is a great icebreaker question because there's you, you can see both sides to both players. When it comes to Trey Lance, he basically hasn't played for the 49ers since he was drafted by them a few years ago. We all know mm -hmm. that he got injured in his first start. I believe that was... Uh, second start. Second start. Second start. That was two years ago, wasn't it? That was last season. That was last season. Okay, against so the Seahawks. That's right, because the the first season he was he was a backup, wasn't he? Yep. When he got drafted, so yeah. then he starts, and then we all know in his second game he goes down, basically injured for the whole year, and then we all know Brock Purdy comes in, does a wonderful job, and then he gets hurt in the playoff against the Eagles, and there's part of me that I think Brock Purdy looks very very good. It does help when A, you have arguably the best defense in the league and also stacked offense <laughs> with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, that helps. But he still went out there and was, what, 7-0? Is that, is that right? 
his I think he was seven and zero up until he ran into the yeah. Eagles, and he the only Eagles, got to play yeah. like one or two series. Yeah, so I can see them trading Trey Lance. The Jonathan Taylor story is is slightly mind boggling to me. We talked a little bit about this whole issue with running backs. Dalvin Cook obviously has now been released by the Vikings and signed by the Jets. And, and signed by the Jets. And I made the case that he's still arguably one of the top five backs in the league. And yet the team, a, a, a very good team, doesn't want him. Uh, and I know it's not simply they don't want him. There's, there are money issues. But to me, when that overrides everything, I find that strange. With Jonathan Taylor, it's the same. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is one of the top five running backs in the league. And he's arguably in his prime. We all know what he did a couple of years ago. Last year, he had a bit of a down year, but it was still very good. And the story is that the Colts are listening to trade offers. And so I've got no idea why. However, if you are going to put to me, I would have to say I think it's Jonathan Taylor. The only reason being he's a running back. Like simply by default of position, I think he's more likely to get traded than Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance is going to get traded first. And the reason why is the 49ers, I, I don't think, based off of what we've seen with this, uh, this front office at the 49ers, I don't think they're going to look into uh, buyer's remorse as far as the fact that they traded three first-round picks. They're clearly not going to recoup the same value that they traded to be able to go get him. And he's an unproven commodity that has a lot of upside with him. A lot of reports out of camp is that he's been very... He has struggled at times with his accuracy issues, but when he runs around, he, he's just a, an incredible talent. And he only gets better the more he gets to experience the league and gets to learn and gets to be coached. He's going to his third year, which means that they have the potential next year to pick up a fifth-year option, which means that you can have teams, if they're looking at the likes of like a Jordan Love and seeing if he's developing well, like Jordan Love and Trey Lance have very, very similar like skill packages on what they're looking to do. And if a team out there has, let's say, for example, the Vikings, who were interested in trading for Trey Lance earlier this offseason, say, hey, we'll send you a third-round pick for Trey Lance. This way we have a backup behind Kirk Cousins, who's going to the last year of his deal. And if anything goes wrong with Kirk Cousins or the season goes down and they've got Trey Lance behind him, hey, he develops well. I think you're going to see Trey Lance's price be a lot lower than what people think it's going to be. Jonathan Taylor is done at the end of this season. So you're going to have to tag him or you're going to have to re-sign him. And right now we are seeing a lot of teams getting very, very allergic to the idea of signing these uh, great running backs to a long-term contract. So what are you going to give up to get him? Right now, it sounds like the Colts aren't going to trade Taylor for anything less than a first-round pick, and that's just not going to happen, in my opinion, anytime soon. So Taylor's going to have to find the right price on his own to get this, which is why I think that Trey Lance is going to get traded first. You make a good point. Um, when you say Jonathan Taylor's done, you don't mean in terms of his ability, do you? No, no, no. For His, uh, his contract is up at the end of the season. Which means okay. that for them to keep him after this year, there's going to have to be a tagger or, or a new contract. And he's a running back. And unless something fundamentally changes or you have a team that says we have everything, let's get the rest, best running back out there with a young quarterback and we can make it work. Maybe the Panthers decide to go ahead and make something work with uh, their team and a young Bryce Young. Or, I don't know, that could work. So I, I, I think it's Trey Lance. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point of view you, you come up with. As I mentioned, I can see... I can see both sides to the story. You're basically making the case that because Trey Lance has more upside, then that's why he might get traded. Because he has more value, 
That's why he's well, going to get also traded. A quarterback. Well, exactly, exactly. But I think that was well, running backs are. It, it just seems devalued. So it will be interesting to see how this how this plays out. Um, a great running back, even now, is harder to come by. So I think there are many teams that would see. Well, look, if we get a great talent like Jonathan Taylor at the running back position, does that immediately make us a contender? Does it immediately put us into that, you know, playoff contention? And there are many teams that you would say, if they had a running back, a decent running back, a decent running game, could that put them over the edge? So that's my gut reaction on that. Well, imagine if a team like the the Chiefs take a look at what the Colts are doing with Jonathan Taylor and said, hey, we'll give up a second round pick for Jonathan Taylor. Is that yeah, fair? Yeah. 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 But it could right. happen. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fact that Jonathan Taylor was even allowed to pursue or given the ability to be allowed to pursue a trade this week just means that there's been a fundamental shift in the way that the Colts have been looking at the whole situation. And we're going to talk about that for just a little bit. Previously, uh, Jim Mercer was essentially saying, no, you're going to play on this team. We're not trading you. They gave him, I think, one contract extension offer or they, uh, they said they were about to. And then you had the the meeting on the bus with Ursay and Taylor that led with Taylor getting off the bus and immediately asking for uh, a trade based off of the conversation that they had. So mm, uh, yeah. I think that the relationship between player and owner at this point is irreparable. And the best thing for both parties is just to move on. Now, they spent, I think, a second round pick on him. Can I, so, are, are, you, are you saying that's akin to the, the James Harden, Daryl Morey situation then? <laughs> where the relationship is irretrievably broken. It does seem a similar thing. It does seem a similar thing. It seems like the situation is bad for all parties involved. Uh, the situation with James Harden is a little different just because he and, he and Maury have a much longer history than what yeah, Jonathan Taylor and uh, Jim Ursay have. If everybody remembers when James Harden was going off as one of the best players in the NBA, Maury was yeah. the, the general Houston. manager of the Rockets yeah. at the time. Yeah. And they were great, great they had a great chemistry yeah, together, great and Maury was, yeah. Yeah. was one of the reasons why he wanted to go to the 76ers, because Maury was there. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Something, I guess, was supposed to happen with Harden over the offseason that Maury may have suggested should have happened and then never did. So Harden, I don't know if this is just a business businessman showmanship about all of this, or if there's really like bad blood between everything, but it just well, looks bad. Be, and I do look at James Harden as a... As a sort of a lesser version of Kyrie Irving, in terms of, I, I can imagine he's quite difficult to uh, manage and coach. But um, well, we can obviously leave that and chat about that another time. One of these days, we'll do an improper uh, fantasy uh, ba- basketball podcast, and we'll be able to go way, way, way into that. <laughs> I think this Jonathan Taylor situation needs to resolve itself fairly quickly. I just don't know what team's going to offer the price that the Colts are going to ask. We had an interesting preseason ending uh, this past week when the Washington Commanders decided to go ahead and play their starters significantly longer than anybody th- thought, and they ended up ending the Baltimore Ravens' preseason streak. What was it, like 24 games or so straight in the preseason? Some- they had- I think it was something like that, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was incredibly long, and it, it had been a small source of pride for the area. It's like we we are our depth is great, our players are great, and we win at all levels. And the Commanders came out in this game, and apparently made the decision that we're just going to end it by playing our starters longer. And they still only won by one point off of a field goal at the very end. 
we talked last week about the whole Washington situation. And I, this is such a Washington thing to do. Like, why? Who cares whether the Ravens have won a million games during the preseason? It's the preseason. Like, does it really give some teams that much more confidence? No, it doesn't. Is there any link between teams winning in the preseason and teams winning the Super Bowl or winning it or getting winning their division and getting into the playoffs? I doubt it. The preseason is all about getting your players ready, seeing what talent you have, looking at the depth chart, seeing what what you've got at your disposal, uh, at your disposal seeing what players that you might not have thought were good suddenly come through, just getting people reps um, and getting people fit, getting people warmed up for the season. So again, it's such a, a Washington thing to do. Like that, it just doesn't surprise me in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I agree with you. It's the more things change, the more things stay the same. Um, I don't know if this is a situation that like Ron Rivera and general manager made the decision like, hey, we have to start this new ownership regime with some kind of a win that we can celebrate, even if it is a mm. hollow victory of some kind. Um, the only thing that I'll say ends up being a big positive is they played Sam Howell longer than I think people expected, and he looked really good. And that's what okay, you really I mean, want to get your team riled around is the fact that this fifth-round quarterback you took last year, be, that's, he might yeah. be the guy. Yeah. I mean, that's fair enough. And I think if that's something that if that's a takeaway from the match fair enough and you know if that gives Sam Howell a bit of confidence going into the season or going into the next was that the final preseason game or is that no we got one more weekend we got one more as as at the time of all of our listeners are going to be listening to this podcast uh the final weekend of the preseason will be over but at this point the final weekend has not happened right so if that's one of the takeaways from the match, you know, that, that's, that's good that Sam Howell's getting those reps. But as for everything else, I mean, what would have happened if someone significant had got injured? In, in, a, in a pre, I mean, injuries happen, but in a meaningless preseason game, simply to end, a, again, a meaningless streak. Like, what? what I, I just, I can't fathom it. I, I don't think it really means all that much, but you know. Good on you, Commanders. You certainly got your victory. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope it continues for your sake when the actual victories matter. It may well be their one and only this season, so. <laughs> Baker Mayfield has been named the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for this season. I mean, he was in this battle with Kyle Trask, former Florida, former Florida quarterback, but it's going to be Baker Mayfield. He's going to get the start to start the season. I mean, we know now. Yeah, I mean, I'm su- I was surprised about this when I read it, and I'm I'm really intrigued and interested to see what happens going forward with this. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield has bumped around the league obviously the last few years. We know what happened in Cleveland. The trade for Deshaun Watson that was the end of Baker Mayfield. He then goes to Panthers. Didn't really do anything there. Obviously. Then goes to the Rams and had one good good victory, I believe. Was that a Monday night game where they came from behind? And um, um, I, can't I even think the Rams played. victory was a Thursday night game. A Thursday night game, yeah. It was, yeah. Um, and obviously, the Rams had a horrible season last year. Um, yeah. But Baker Mayfield is still. I mean, he's only been in the league, I believe, five years or so. He's still he's still technically in his prime, and it will be interesting to see. How he does. Um, I, 
I, I've kind of come around. I never really liked Baker Mayfield, but I, I have felt a bit sorry for the way he's been treated in the league. And he's never really been given a steady team or a, or a team that, that is there for a few years. And when he was drafted by Cleveland, he finally was given the keys to the car. And there was that one year where they were good. They got to the playoffs. We all know what they did to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just absolutely, you know, ran roughshod all over them. Love it. And he was he had a very good year that year. And I think there is some talent there that I think if you put the right pieces around him, give him, give him a game plan and a system that works for him. And also you need to give him the trust and the sort of affirmation that he's he's your guy, then I think they could be a good team, or certainly a a, 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 a contender in that division because that division was well god awful last year to be honest. So it was. It, it looks like there might be a big improvement from the rest of the teams in that division. A lot of people think that the Falcons are going to be coming up and. Some people yeah. think that the Derek Carr-led Saints are going to end up being an actual contender this year, so it may not be as easy as pushover of a division as it has been in the past. So the Bucks True. are going to need Baker Mayfield to be something for them to continue this run of dominance yeah. they've been on them. Yeah. Moving on, I have a couple of questions that I want to ask. Uh, just some hypothetical predictions that I would like to ask. Um, of course. We have two quarterbacks that had down seasons last year. Both of them missed the playoffs. Um, one of them's in a new situation this year. One of them was in a new situation last year. But between Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, now with the Broncos and the Jets respectively, which of them is most likely to bounce back to form this season? Putting you on the spot. I'm going to have to go with my favorite quarterback as, of all time, as you know, um, Aaron Rodgers. He wasn't great last year, but I have to say, well, he certainly wasn't as bad as Russell Wilson. Now, there are mitigating circumstances with Russell Wilson. We all know the horrendous, horrific job that Nathaniel Hackett did there. They were, it, it, was, it was akin to Urban Meyer, dare I say, with the Jacksonville Jags. It was almost that bad. It can't be that bad again for the Denver Broncos. They have an elite coach now. They have a Super Bowl winning coach. Now let's see what he can do. They do still have some good pieces there. Um, Javante Williams, Jerry Judy, they've got a pretty good defense. However, I'm so conflicted about Russell Wilson. I, I honestly don't know because I just felt there was this threshold basically last year where he's just gone downhill. And it's hard for me to see him vastly improve. With Aaron Rodgers, they, were, they, they had a bad year, but they were still in contention to win their division and get in the playoffs. We all know what happened against the Lions in the last game of the season. And that was poor. That that was almost, a, dare I say, a slight stain on, on Aaron Rodgers' record. But I do think Aaron Rodgers is more likely to bounce back because the Jets do have some good pieces there. They, they had some, you know, Brees Hall, we all know, um, was a very good rookie last year. Garrett Wilson, a lot of people talk about them. They have a good uh, defense. Robert Salad actually, I mean, last year for half the season, they were, they had a, a decent winning record and, and just fell off at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So the AFC East is strangely now, after all those years where the Patriots dominated it, where it was literally the worst division in, in the game. And now it's very strong. All the teams are contenders to, for a playoff spot. In some definition of the term, they in all some have definition, a good obviously, chance, yeah. a much we better know, chance. We all know what the Bills are like. We all know, you know, the Dolphins last year. We all, we all know about them. 
obviously the Patriots are there and, and the Jets, you know, could bring a surprise. It, it wouldn't even be that big a surprise. Anytime, as much as it pains me to say it, anytime you've got Aaron Rodgers, you've got a chance. So I'm, I'm going to say I think Aaron Rodgers is the more likely. Like Out of the two, who do I think is more dumb? It's Russell Wilson for me. I, I think you're right there. I, I think Aaron Rodgers has a significantly better chance to be able to bounce back than Russell Wilson did. Now, Russell Wilson may be in a significantly better situation now than he was last year just being around uh, a Sean Payton-led team. His team already has had a couple of injury problems. Once again, uh, to Patrick, injured again. Looks like he's out for the season with another ACL tear. Uh, KG Hamler, I believe, is he, he's also out, and I believe he's lost for the entire season. They have still Javante Williams, who's coming back. Uh, they signed Samaj P. Ryan, so they have a pass catching back out of the backfield. Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, both of them look like they're going to be ready and raring to go. But now the depth at wide receiver doesn't look so good. Tight ends, they had they brought in Adam Troutman from New Orleans, and he's going to be rejoining Sean Payton. And they got Drake, Greg Dulcich, who looked really good last season. Halfway decent offensive line. They picked up Frank Clark for the D line this offseason. And by virtue of that, Russell Wilson is less likely to improve than Aaron Rodgers is. Yeah, I think um, also on that, you know, I talked about the divisions, but then when you look at the AFC West, it is a strong division. You know, we all know the Chargers. Um, the Raiders are there, uh, and you got the Broncos. Um, you know, Chiefs. Like, you know them too. You know. And, uh, <laughs> I was. I literally was suddenly like, "Who's the other team in that division?" Oh yeah, the Chiefs. <laughs> I was like, "I'm Just missing the best a team. team in the NFL." I, yeah, I'm missing one team. Yeah. So um, yeah, and obviously the Chiefs. You know, are okay. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a tough tough division. That being the case, I also think that this team has the widest swing between the Jets and the Broncos. They could be absolutely terrible, but they could also just turn around and become a phenomenal team this season, too. Incredibly high ceiling, incredibly low floor. Sean Payton yeah. teams tend not to do poorly, just yeah. based off of his history. So we'll yes. see. Uh, but yeah. I would put my money more so on the Jets. So another question I got for you, more hypothetical stuff. And if you like these predictions, next week is going to be our fantasy prediction podcast because that's the episode right before our draft. And we're going to talk a little bit about the league. That's the one that everyone's been waiting for. Absolutely. We're going to have some league news at the end of this episode as well. But question that I pose for you, Biz. Out of all the teams that made the playoffs last year, which yeah. teams are the most likely to miss the playoffs this year. We normally have like five or six teams every year miss the playoffs after they made the playoffs the year before. And that's likely not going to stop. So who do you think is going to fall out this year? Okay, well, the Chiefs are obviously going to be in again. The Bills, I think, will be in the playoffs. The number three seed, the Bengals, I believe they'll be in the playoffs again. The number four seed, Jacksonville. I'm not sure. Now, I don't necessarily know whether that means, you know, oh, who's so going to be that division. The Titans or the Texans, the Texans are going to win the, the division. The Texans. I do think the Texans will be. The Texans. Yeah. The Texans. <laughs> um, they might do. Like, I think that division is up for grabs just because I don't, I don't think there's any standout best team. I do think the Jags will be the favourite. But I guess one team has to come out of that. The Chargers, well, you you will know, everyone knows what I think about the Chargers. They're either going to win the whole thing or be like 4-13. and 13. That's just, they're just boom or bust. But I do think the Chargers will make the playoffs. The Ravens, I'm not sure. This could be the year for the Browns because 
Deshaun Watson has a a kind almost a full year under his belt. I mean, he came back. Oh, well, he's had a full year of kind of training, and this is going to be his first full year of starting for the Browns. I would and seven the Dolphins. I think they might get in the playoffs again. Actually, um, I, I mean, I think the <laughs> AFC East. I think the AFC East is going to have three teams. I do think the Jets um, will will get in the playoffs. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about our predictions next year. But if I was going to have to say, I, was, I, I will say the Ravens and the Jags are the two teams that may well not make it this year. Okay. In the AFC side, on the NFC side, the Eagles. Yeah, I think they're going to be in it. Um, San Francisco, yes, they'll be in the playoffs again. Vikings, mm, not so sure. Tampa Bay, not so sure. Cowboys, not I mean, so the sure. The Cowboys were arguably yeah, yeah. one of the best teams in the league last year. That's true. The Giants at six. I mean, obviously for me, there's there's a clear obvious that isn't going to get in the playoffs again, and that's the number 17 CRC. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> this, one's, this one's more tricky. Um, I don't think the Bucks will get in the playoffs this year. I do think that Baker Mayfield will have a decent year, but that is a division that was poor last year. And as you mentioned, it's going to be more competitive this year, I think. People have talked about Falcons. You know that uh, Derek Carr's gone to the Saints. I think the Saints may have a shot getting in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm definitely going to go with the Bucks. The NFC East, I'm not sure they're going to have three teams in it this year. Um, I'm just not sure whether the Giants are going to have another great year as they did last year. I, I hate to say this, I do think it was a bit of a Flash in the pan for them. So I don't think the Giants will get in either. Seattle, again, I am tempted to say Kyler Murray may be coming back. We don't know when. I just, I, Seattle, they, they were arguably the, the NFL's biggest surprise last year. No one, no one in a million years thought they would even get remotely in the Super Bowl or Super Bowl in the playoffs. You, I think, more so than anyone else. Um, mm-hmm. So I think those are the three teams that I have the least amount of confidence. All right, all right. So just to recap, the, the teams that you think will not make the the playoffs this year, you have the Seattle Seahawks, the New York Giants, the Tampa Bay Bucks, Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Baltimore Ravens. So you don't think Lamar Jackson is getting in. You don't think Trevor Lawrence is getting in. You don't think Baker Mayfield's in. You don't think Daniel Jones is in. You don't think Geno Smith is in. That's fair. Um, I think we're going to be in for a pretty wild season. I do believe that the Bills and the Chiefs, I do think that they're definitely getting in. I also think that you're going to see another team in the AFC North get in as well. I think the Ravens may end up having the best record in the AFC because if Lamar Jackson stays healthy, he doesn't lose that much when he starts and finishes. So the question is, is can he stay healthy? But now he's got his contract, so he doesn't have the impetus to just sit the second half of the season anymore for whatever reason. Yeah. So I think yeah. the Ravens are coming. I think the Ravens are coming this season. I think you may see a step back for the uh, Bengals this season. I don't know if that means they're not going to make it. I like the Chargers. I think that they have the highest opportunity to fall, uh, especially. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> I mean, they have the a, they're, they're also pretty margin. wide, like the Broncos. Like, they could do really, really well under Kellen Moore, and they could also fall flat on their face. Um, I think the Dolphins. The problem with the AFC is you're just so stacked. And you've got legitimately like eleven teams or twelve teams in that conference. You're no, like, yeah, you're... I, I can, I can get it. Sure, and I mean, you're right. Now they have, you know, you thrown Aaron Rodgers into the AFC too. I mean, they already that the exactly. quarterbacks in the AFC were already stacked, and now you've got 
number 12. Um, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, the AFC is stacked. It's so difficult. So here are the difficult cuts I'm going to make. I do think the Chargers are out. I think that the Dolphins are out. And I'm going to be tough on this one, too. And Justin's going to hate me, but I think the Bengals are out this season. Oh, I'm going to have Joe Burrow's injury is going to linger a little bit longer. It's going to cost them maybe going down 1-4 to Fair start enough. the season. Fair enough. It's just going to be too much in a hyper-competitive AFC North where the Steelers may be looking better this year and the Browns, like, they may end up going 3-3 three and three or 2-6 and six in the division if it doesn't play exactly right. So mm -hmm. I think the yeah. Bengals have the biggest shot to fall. Do I honestly think that all those teams are going to end up going out? No, but I do think that there's going to be 5-6 teams and I have to make cuts somewhere. On the NFC side, I have a hard time not seeing a playoffs without the Eagles and the 49ers. So I do think that they're still in. 49ers have an opportunity to slide back because of the quarterback situation, but it, the team is just so well coached. Yeah. I think the Vikings are going to fall out. I think the Bucs are going to fall out. Sorry, did I, did I not say the Vikings? Oh, uh, you did not say the Vikings. You said you weren't sure about the Vikings, but you didn't say no. Sorry, I don't think the Vikings will be in the playoffs either. Sorry, my bad. That brings Biz's count to six teams that are not making it in because of the Vikings. Are you on the Lions bandwagon as well? Um, I will leave that for next, next week. For next week. Okay, we'll tantalize a little bit with that. Yeah. Uh, I think the Vikings are out. Uh, here's, a, here's an interesting one. I think the Cowboys are out. Fair enough. I think the Cowboys are going to go as far as Dak Prescott takes them this year. I think their defense is phenomenal. But this offense has Tony Pollard, who's coming off of an ACL, and yeah. they don't have Zeke. Now, they drafted this kid, Deuce Vaughn. He's apparently looking fine, but we also don't know. They don't have Dalton Schultz as their tight end. We'll see how it goes. I don't have a lot of confidence that Dak Prescott can endure a lot of change that the likes of which he's seeing, especially when they don't have Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. So I think what you're going to see is Mike McCarthy, who has stamped his flag and said, I want to score fewer points and I want to run more and I want to get my defense off the field. And he's going to realize that his strategy is just going to be too antiquated and he's not going to make it into the playoffs and it might cost him his job. So Yeah, that's fair enough. It's my thought there. So, of course, now the last team that we're looking at that made the playoffs will be the Seahawks. Now, I've already got six teams that are out. Uh, do I think seven teams are going to go out? I, I've got too much Homer in, Homerism in me right now. I, I can't leave the Seahawks out, especially when I think they're taking a step forward this year. So I'm going to say the Seahawks are still in. You're going to say the number one seed. <laughs> I'm not going to say they're the number one seed, but I'll, I'll leave my, uh, my prediction as far as where Eatings. they're coming in. But keep in mind, that also means I have the Giants still making the playoffs because I think the Giants have the capability of taking another step forward because I do like their coach. I think Brian Dable brings a huge improvement to that team. And we saw what he did with a hapless Daniel Jones last year. He turned him into a $40 million quarterback. I think we see more of the same this year. Is, I mean, see, for me, again, that's the... That is the issue. Was it a flash in the pan? Was it a one-season one? Season one? Mm -hmm. We've seen that time and time again in a number of positions in the NFL, but particularly the quarterback position, where suddenly someone comes out of nowhere and has a great season. They get a massive contract, and then we see 
dare I say, what they're really like. And is Daniel Jones the guy that played last year or is he the guy that played a couple of years before that? And that's going to be interesting to see whether he is going it to be is. It is going to be really interesting to see. Um, part of me thinks it's not necessarily Daniel Jones being that guy. It's more so Brian Dayball making him that guy. So I think Daniel Jones is irrelevant to the conversation on whether or not this team does well or not. I like how he's progressed, but we'll see how he continues to progress this year. But I think Dayball is the person leading this charge. So Fair enough. for me, I'd like to say I went out on a limb on a couple of these picks. I have the Bengals, Chargers, Dolphins, Cowboys, Vikings, and Bucks all missing the playoffs. Recapping you again, you've got the Seahawks, the Giants, the Bucks, the Jaguars, the Ravens, and the Vikings all missing. Okay. That wraps up our big conversations. We have a couple of smaller stories that are here. Biz, you, you reminded me of this before we started going live. Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver rookie for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, broke his wrist this past weekend. And he's set for surgery. Looks like he's going to be out for three to four weeks. It is still possible that he's ready for the start of the season. Much more likely that he sits out the first couple of weeks or so. Fortunately, it's a broken bone in the wrist. It's not a finger. It's not a tendon. It's nothing like that. Should be a fairly quick recovery. What are your thoughts? It's sad. He was one of the, he was one of the players that I was mostly like really looking forward to seeing. How they get along. I, I said this in the draft, how I thought... That was a big, big pick for you guys. You know, I mean, you've already got um, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. DK, God, I've, I've done well today, haven't I? I've forgotten the Chiefs. <laughs> I've forgotten DK Metcalf. Yeah, you can tell that I'm not actually in the US. Anymore. So you have a great wide receiving tandem, and then you add Jackson Smith and Jigba to the cause. It's it's a great trio of receivers to have, and it's sad that he's going to be out for a while. And I think that's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be sort of detrimental to the Seahawks. And it's sad because I just wanted to see kind of how he would get along in his rookie year. I mean, he's still going to come back in September. He, he's not out for a long time. Uh, it's like I said, it's a wrist. It's not a tendon. It's not a muscle. It's, it's a broken wrist. And ultimately, like that could so be like a metacarpal. It's, right. Fair enough. So yeah, but... it still sucks because you want to see him gel with the starters. And I think a lot of people yeah. were looking forward to how he was going to look in the last preseason game and how they'd work together. But... He's going to have his opportunity to shine this season. He was still going to be the third wide receiver on the team behind Lockett and Metcalf, so it's not like it's going to be that much of a punch in the gut for the Seahawks yet. But I think it's the potential that he brings that people are really, really excited for. Well, yes, I I agree with that. However, I will say, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, they're not spring chickens anymore um, in terms of the wide receiver position. I'm not saying they're like old and past it, but I think there is potential there for Jigba to be a legit number one or, or a number two, depending on how he gets along. So I think there is a potential there to be a number one in CSU. Thinking about DK Metcalf not being a spring chicken anymore. He was drafted <laughs> in 2019. Uh, he's 25 <laughs> years old, but he's no spring chicken, according to Biz. What are you? You're 22 these it, days, right? Is it? Is he? Is, well, yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he is older than me. Um, he's only 25, DK Metcalf. He's only 25. Really? I thought he'd been in the league like 15 years. <laughs> well, he's that's been, just because been... he was built like a man when he was five years old. Yeah, he's like, he's, he's been, he's, he seems to have been around forever. Well, that's fair play to DK Metcalf because I honestly thought he was about 28. So, yeah. no, he was a 20, uh, 2019 rookie. Wow. That's, yeah. Other smaller story, and not necessarily that it, it, it's more of a story about 
a lack of something that's going to happen. Uh, Josh yeah. Jacobs has still yet to sign his franchise tag. Future editing Mark here. Uh, he still hasn't signed his franchise tag, but he has uh, agreed to a restructured one-year contract. Uh, so he's back with the team now. But this is still fun. Uh, yeah. Because he doesn't want to sign the tag. He wants a long-term contract. And the Raiders have gone ahead and stated that they are not going to trade him uh, at this point as well. Now, to be frank, uh, the... The Raiders don't have the rights to trade him at this point. They have him on a franchise tag tender. Uh, but in order for the for Jacobs to be traded, he's going to have to agree to sign that tender and then go where the trade option is going to be. So he's going to have a say if they trade him some places. And I think the, the Raiders looked at that writing in the wall, realized that we can't get what we want if we're looking to trade him. But at the same time, uh, this has got to make a lot of fantasy owners nervous about the fact that you've got a player who's not going to be traded and who still hasn't reported to anything, any activities for the, the Raiders this offseason. You have a couple of players also saying that they're willing to wait out until like week seven, week eight. Chris Jones earlier today said, hey, until I get a contract, I'm not coming until week eight. So you may see that for Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Do you think that's going to happen or do you think he, he will be playing for the Raiders from week one? Uh, I think it's much more likely at this point that he... Now, of course, he's going to probably sign his tender tomorrow, and then this episode will come out three days later, so this is going to sound really, really weird if that happens, but... <laughs> I was really close. He actually signed two days after recording, and uh, this episode's going to go out uh, about maybe three days after uh, it happens. So, yeah, yeah, good job, Mark. I think it's much more likely he waits out, because he is... He and Jonathan Taylor are the two big players that are like... Give me what the running backs are due or don't play me at all. And I think mm, that you're seeing Josh Jacobs draw his line in the sand for the sake of the other running backs. That's fair enough. I mean, the whole story with the running backs thing is, is a very interesting one. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what pans out with this. I mean, he was, he was the best running back in the league last year. I was very happy that I had him on my fantasy team, not that it actually helped me in the end. But, um, yeah. I, I mean, and interestingly, you know, well, we'll get to our league announcements soon. But yeah, yep. it, I mean, it doesn't really affect my drafting now. But. That is all of our NFL stories that we have to talk about today. Lots more to talk about before the season begins. But we have a big predictions episode next week, our pre-draft episode. And then we have the lead up to the regular season the following week. But a change to our, uh, our Fantasy Football League. Listeners of the podcast may know that I've been very, very excited about the idea of going into a Keeper League. But as I was hearing more and more, and, and you, if you listen to Biz, you know that he's been kind of like, eh, one way or another. He's not necessarily thrilled about the idea. As it turns no, out, there I'm were a number, a number <laughs> of other players in the league who were less than thrilled about this idea. And as, as it turns out, one of the things you have to do when you make decisions about a league is you have to listen to everybody. And even though, to me, this sounds great, to me, this sounds fun, my job is to make sure that this league stays fun for everybody for as much as I possibly can and not become a source of stress. So as of today, Wednesday, August 23rd, we are moving away from the idea of doing this <laughs> keeper. That means that my entire last season was just a watch. Didn't mean anything. <laughs> I finished exactly where I wanted to, and it's going to amount to nothing. But you know what? That's in the past. I'm excited about this upcoming season, and I'm excited about people being excited for it. So it'll be a randomized draft order. Don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore because of it's now no longer Keeper. 
and it's going to be just standard PPR league. Uh, there may be some different players in the league based off of conversations that we've had, but we're really, really excited about what the shape of the league is going to look like for next season. I have never, ever been happier to hear those words. But uh, <laughs> we are now no longer doing it even. Yes, I was never, I was never the biggest fan of it. Um, and yeah, I, there were some issues with it. Um, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that we're just going back to a normal draft. Um, I, I think overall it's a little bit easier that way. I think I, I've realised that I think in a way, if you're going to do a keeper league, you have to do it two years out because you then, because if you do it, say, okay, from next year, we're, from this year, in a few weeks, we're doing a keeper league. That affects how you drafted the year before so I think, I mean, even then, it still doesn't make, it, it's almost like you, when you start fantasy, you have to say, okay, we're going to do a keeper league because from day one, that affects how you draft. So that, yeah. that, that's just my thoughts. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's going to be as you were, as they say. So yeah, looking forward to the draft. Looking forward to the draft, looking forward to actually coming back to dominance and crushing people. And not have to worry about is this player going to be good three years down the road? I'm just going to beat you guys <laughs> down completely this season. You've heard it here first, people. You've heard you it heard it there first. I, I am claiming the trophy. I'm claiming the championship, and nobody else can can take that. From wow, me. he's at, Mark is on a mission this year. He's I'm on out a for you, Roger. I'm going to. He is you. to prove to prove that we should have done mm-hmm. a keeper league. He's he's out for he's out for everyone this year. I'm out for everybody. That brings us to an end of our episode. Biz, do you have any shout-outs? I do. As you all know, last, last time we, we recorded an episode, it was just before the World Cup semi-finals. Uh, and the Lionesses stumped Australia in their own backyard 3-1 to get to the World Cup final. Alas, it wasn't meant to be. We lost to Spain 1-0. I have to say, they played us off the park as a watching I watched the game. They really did. First half... Personally, we were lucky to lose only 1-0. That's just my gut reaction. Spain were just they were too good on the ball, too quick, too talented, too comfortable tactically. We played too many long balls, which is kind of a retreat to the sort of dark ages of English football, but it's a conversation for another day. That being said, I mean, what an achievement to get to the World Cup final, our first time ever. We, we'd lost in our three previous World Cup semi-finals. We got to the three previous semi-finals in 2011, 15 and 19. Always lost in the semi-finals. Four years ago, we lost to the US in the semi-finals. Went one better this year. It was a valiant effort. But what they've done for the women's game here has been fantastic. A lot of them are kind of national heroes. And I think it has to be, it's it's also forgotten that three of our best players who were in the, the Euros winning team last summer were out injured. Leah Williamson, Bethany, Frank Herbin, they were all out because of injury. So who knows if they were fit, what would have happened against Spain? The fair play to Spain, people may have read, there's been so much documented about how their players revolted 15 months ago. In fairness to them, they had a number of their best players that weren't even in the tournament. And there's a controversy, a lot of controversy surrounding their coach, but still managed to win the World Cup. So congrats to Spain. And um, yeah, yeah, well done to them. I have one shout out as well. As it's not a shock to anybody, I'm a big fan of Seattle sports. And right now, the Mariners are just about as hot as any MLB team in the really? league. Really? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, after starting the season pretty ho-hum, flirting around just below, a few games below 500 uh, throughout June, uh, they've gone on an absolute tear. Uh, they've currently won eight straight road game series. 
They are 21 and five away from home, competing in a division with the likes of the Astros, who are a recent World Series champion, cheaters, uh, and the Rangers, who have been about as <laughs> who are starting the season about as good as you possibly could. The Mariners are now one game back of their division, and they're currently occupying the second wild card spot with about a month or so to go with the end of the season. Actually, with the Seattle Mariners winning today on Saturday and the Rangers still haven't finished their game, uh, technically the Mariners are in first place at this second. They're currently in a stretch where over the course of four series, they're playing against four of the worst teams in the league before mm -hmm. they finish off the season playing three series against the Astros or the Rangers in some combination. So if they keep this going and they can continue to get series wins against their division, it, it's their division to lose at this point. So you say they've been on absolute streak. What how what, what has their win loss record been recently? Since the All Star break, they have lost eleven games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They'd have gone twenty six and eleven since the All Star break. They've won twenty six games since mid July. That's that. I mean, that's a great record. And on top of that, they did this. They did this while trading their closer too to get more prospects for the future. Well, that's great. I mean, last year. You were in the play-in game, correct? Mm-hmm. And we lost. Yeah, and you lost. Was that against the Yankees? Oh, I forget who we lost to. Ultimately, nobody thought we were going to win that game anyway. We're just happy to be yeah. I would. I would love to see the Mariners in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, you know what? G good for you. But, um, you know, on a tear, hope, hope, it, hope you keep it up. Yeah. Uh, we still have to play Tampa Bay at some point this season. Uh, we also have to play against the, uh, it looks like the Dodgers we have to get as well. Those are always going to be tough. Most of the rest of the season is either going to be against division teams that we've been playing well against recently or against losing records. Yeah. So, really excited for the future. And with that, Biz, I see that you've just downed the rest of your pint. Oh. And because of that, the only <laughs> thing that I can say is cheers. Cheers. Till next time.